This is episode number 158 of the Rising Man podcast with Alexandra Balanswag. Let's look at dating differently. Welcome back to the show, Rising Man family. Thank you for joining me today. Whether this is your first time or you've been here with us before, I'm grateful to have you here. Thanks for choosing to tune in. My name is Jedi Azuma, and I am the founder and creator of this podcast, as well as the Rising Man movement. And I couldn't be more honored to be sitting in this seat. You know, really quickly before we jump in today, starting off this new year and getting ready to step into our third year completion of the Rising Man podcast, I just can't believe how much time has gone by and how much of an impact this movement is really having. We're making ripples all over the world. And I give all of the credit to you guys, you guys who've been listening, you guys who've been tuning in, you guys who've been stepping in, becoming a bigger part of this community, joining our programs, our courses, and it's just amazing. So I want to thank you deeply for all of you who have stepped up and stepped forward. And I'd be remiss if I didn't remind everybody to go and check out risingman.org for all of our amazing offers, our latest online course that we created called Ignite, and our ongoing offers for things like Compass and so many things that we have going on this year. If you haven't been to the website in a while, go check it out, risingman.org, and find a way to get involved in our community today. All right. Our guest today is Alexandra Balanswag. Alexandra founded HumHum, a platform for virtual conscious dating and connection. Through HumHum, Alexandra designs experiences for self-inquiry and connection as a byproduct of her experience professionally and personally. Before HumHum, Alexandra worked in consulting for seven years as a strategic designer and product manager for startups and Fortune 500s. She is also a certified Kundalini yoga teacher and a Reiki energy practitioner and master teacher. In this episode, Alexandra and I broke down some of the modern misconceptions and frustrations with dating. We talked about a different approach to dating and why using that word puts so much pressure on the act of connection, simple connection, what we're arranged and organized to do as humans. We broke down some of the common discomforts men and women have when approaching a dating opportunity and easy ways to overcome them. Alexandra and I both agreed to the importance of bringing your most honest self to new encounters and how that is a great way to avoid future disappointment as well as some ways to bring your more authentic and honest self to those interactions. And lastly, we gave some tips and strategies for approaching dating differently and how you can identify a compatible partner for you. Without further ado, Alexandra Balanswag. All right, Rising Man family, I have a wonderful woman joining me here today, live from Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, stand up. <laughs> Alexandra Balanswag, what's up? Hello, so happy to be here with you. I'm so happy to have you here today. I always love bringing on East Coasters. I don't have that many East Coasters on lately, so we'll see if my New Jersey accent comes out by the time we're done here. <laughs> I've noticed being home where my accent, my Long Island accent has gotten worse. <laughs> yeah. well, so. It's almost indetectable, so you're concealing it well. <laughs> Brooklyn's rubbing off on you, I guess. Wonderful. Well, thank you for being on here today. Everyone will listen to the intro here and get to know more about your area of expertise, but this concept and conversation of modern dating. And I was telling you before we recorded, it's a very mysterious place for me because 
I know everybody's got these Tinder and Bumble accounts and I never did any of that stuff. I got wifed up before that all became a really big thing to do. So I'm a little bit out of the loop here. And I also know that I work with a lot of men who are just completely mystified and bewildered by dating in our culture right now. So looking forward to your expertise here. I'm sure hopefully you can give us something that's going to help these guys out today. Yeah, and I, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that mystification and what questions people are having because I also really believe that ultimately, like we are our own best teachers and have the answers we need internally if we're willing to sit and look at those questions. So it's a matter of just asking strong enough questions and then sitting with that. So I can't wait to hear what people are asking you and bringing to you in the dating space. Beautiful. Well, let's start off where I start off all these episodes. And now I'm shifting up the question that I've asked. Let's see, this is going to be like episode almost 160. So I've asked everybody who's been on here this question. I'm going to change it a little bit. What does it mean to be a man? Huh. To be a man, so you're asking me that. (laughs) And to preface this, I also have asked all the women who've been on this show too, because I think it's important that we all have just an idea of where everybody's coming from with our ideas of what it means to be a man in the world. So I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but go ahead and tell us what it means to be a man to you. I think it's everything that has been inherited over eons, whether that's cultural, societal, political, and then all that comes with being in a man's body, which is unique to that. And then of course, there are there's so much fluidity in that as well. And I think it's really up to each human who is in a man's body to recognize and identify what that means for him or them. And also like allow that to be ever-changing I think it is an everyday question. It's similar to me saying, what does it mean for me to be a woman? The answer is every day, that's a different question, a different exploration. And I'm still very much learning about the different energies in my own system, what it is to inhabit this body, how the world and I intersect and what we're co-creating. It's just a dance. So I think it's such an individual question and yeah. I love that answer because that's exactly the way I hold it. After asking this question, I, usually the way I ask the question is, what's the difference between a boy and a man? And I realized that what I was really interested in is what is everybody's individual perspective of what it means to be a man based on what we've, what we've heard about what it means to be a man, what we've experienced as men for those of us who identify as men, and also just culturally, just to know where we're at, just to get an idea of where do we stand with this definition of man. And in all those times I've asked that question, I've gotten some similarities, some intersections of answers, and also a a much larger spectrum. And so what that tells me is that it's exactly what you said. It's something that is self-defined for anyone who identifies as a man. Because even to be born male with a male gender designation based on how you're born doesn't necessarily indicate identifying as a man anymore. And so So I really appreciate your answer. I know I put you on the spot. So thanks for being a champ with that (laughs) because I think it's just a really valuable place to start to know where we're coming from. And and I love what you said there. So moving on from that, these are a little more rapid fire questions before we roll into our topic. What do you love and appreciate the most about men? I like the word stability and courage come to mind that there is. And I think part of that is also like, courage to be 
what you are, who you are, how you are, which includes being emotional, being intuitive, being connected. Like, mm, I just think it's beautiful that we have different body types that exist. And I'm always interested because as a woman, I kind of only know my own perspective. I'm interested to get however I can an understanding from someone who's living in a vastly different body than I am. And yeah, so what do I appreciate? Just that's what's coming to mind at the moment. <laughs> I, I love that answer. I mean, stability and courage. I mean, that's especially from a woman to hear that, that that's something that you appreciate about men. It's See, that's something that as a man that gets me, I guess my attention because I feel like that's something instinctually as a man, I seek to to offer, to give as a gift is, is stability, certainty, confidence, trust to be a solution to a problem or to be some certainty around amidst fear. So I'm extrapolating on your words a little bit, but just what that awakens in me is that. So that's that's cool to hear from you. Uh, so let me ask you the opposite of that question. And then I won't put you so much on the spot. Then we'll talk about some, <laughs> some dating stuff. What frustrates you the most about men? Hmm. Maybe like a little bit of the fear of the intuitive that I pick up sometime, this sort of fear of like flowing with things and wanting more certainty and just not being as whether you want to say it's cultured or naturally connected to sensitivity and intuition and flow the way that might come a little more initially naturally for women. There's sort of this like a soft quality that takes a little longer to access, I think, mm. in my experience. Well, definitely. I mean, we could probably talk about that for a whole hour because <laughs> I think there's something very real in that. That's why we do a lot of the work that we do here at Rising Men and why men's work has been so important is to help men recognize that sensitivity is not weakness. It's a human function that we have available to us, you know? So beautiful answers. Thank you for <laughs> for playing along with that. I know I hit you from out of nowhere with it. So Let's talk about dating. And I wanted to, you said something before we started recording that just, I typed it down because it just stood out to me. You were talking about when you facilitate these salons, which you can tell us more about later too, that you said, we encourage people to drop the word dating altogether from the experience. So first question, what is the problem with the word dating in your opinion? I think it's outdated, number one, <laughs> punny. But <laughs> I think that, it implies a certain game that we've become accustomed to over the years. And like it has its origins, you know, back in sort of courtship. And I think that if you leave anything unexamined, it's not present time. And so I think the word has so much connected to it around this ritual of courtship that hasn't been rewritten for the modern era, that hasn't been caught up with, how do we see the world today? How do I feel in my, the way I want to express interest or intrigue in another human? What does that look like? What does that mean? And to me, it kind of carries with it some of that history, that lineage, that what it inherited over the years. And a lot of that has become a game and a manipulation not even on purpose. It's just because of its history. So I think the word itself, I always just bring it up to invite that examination of what are we doing here? What does it mean to date now? Yeah. I just think about the pressure. 
even when you say, you know, you see it on the movies all the time to say, wait, is this a date? Because all of a sudden it's a date and then it's like, whoa, this is a date. Oh my God, what are we doing here? What is my face doing? What do I do with my hands? We become awkward and uncomfortable. And what I interpret from what you said by dropping dating is that it takes away a lot of that pressure that if we're just purely here for connection and discovery and possibility, why are we putting so much pressure on ourselves for it to be something else or the gamesmanship of dating on both sides, you know? male, female, masculine, feminine, man, woman, whatever you identify as, there's, when you bring a game into something, then there's this instinct to try and win it. And we will do anything to try and win or emerge victorious or have the outcome that we want. And that's what leads to what you said. I think you used the word manipulation, but just an inauthenticity of how we present ourselves, the highlight real version, right? Exactly. And if we're presenting, we're not present and therefore we actually lose what is here, which could be so much richer than the agenda that we're holding for whatever interaction is happening. Right. I mean, I've heard so many great stories about people who met each other on a date, but didn't end up becoming life partners, but became business associates, or they met their partner through that person that they were on a date with. And I think that only becomes possible if you're open to an infinite number of outcomes, everywhere from I may never see you again to you could be my lifetime partner, but not one end of the spectrum, right? I think that's what I think about it myself. I was joking with you before I said, I'm kind of a grandpa in this world because I dated the old fashioned way. <laughs> but you know, back then I remember I was so focused on finding my partner that it put a lot of pressure on my encounters. And I probably would have had a lot more fun just dating and meeting people and getting to know a little more about them and having experiences had I not put so much pressure on who I needed to meet. It worked out for me, but it makes me wonder, makes me look back at what those interactions could have been like. Definitely. Yeah. I'm curious to hear a little bit more too about your own experience. Like when you were in that time of, you know, opening to and meeting your partner, did you see it as a performance? Did you see it as a game or like, were you in just already a naturally relaxed state? Like what was your experience? I had the great fortune of meeting my wife obviously before she was my wife, but meeting her when I was completely detached from any idea of needing to meet my life partner right in that moment. In fact, I had just completed a almost two-year relationship, really dark, hard relationship with somebody two months or three months before I met my wife. And so I was on this upward trajectory of being myself. I was riding the authentic wave of Jetty. <laughs> I was just being me. And I said, hey, I am not interested in everything up to that moment. I was 25 years old. Everything up to that moment was I'm looking for my partner. And I finally surrendered that and said, you know what? I'm not going to do that for right now. That's going to come. I'm 25. I need to have some experiences. It's going to happen. And ironically, as soon as I let go of that, I met my wife like two months, three months later. And in between those times, I was just so open. I had some really awesome experiences with women that wasn't always dating because I was just open to whatever that could be, you know, even like a sisterhood type of thing. I like having a sister in my life or somebody that I went and had some really cool, amazing experiences with, and then no attachment, nothing beyond that. I think that's such a big piece of it is that you were in that space already of non-attachment where you were valuing authenticity over outcome and not performing. So it just leads to such a, it leads to much more natural exchange. And then you, that's what vulnerability is, is when you allow yourself to be witnessed in that space of imperfection and wholeness, where you don't need it to be something that you actually connect. And then you become truly interested 
versus like, oh, I'm holding up this, all these facets of myself that I like, but like, wait till they see this other stuff. And like, hopefully they don't for a while. Like that just sucks for everyone. It's not fun. <laughs> well, let me, let me be fully transparent and tell the whole story. So when I met Carrie, that's my wife's name. I wasn't looking, wasn't interested. In fact, in my mind, I'd heard a couple stories about her, but in my mind, I made her up to be this version of a woman that I would not be attracted to at all. I don't know why, but my my brain was just like, oh yeah, she's going to be like six foot five, you know, Viking stock. And I'm a short guy, so that's not really my type of woman. But I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be attracted to her. So I kind of kind of had psyched myself out of that possibility. When we actually encountered, I was like, what's happening? There's something interesting here. And it was interesting looking back on it how much of that I dialed up to show. Once I realized I'm interested in this person, I want her to see the best of me so that I'll keep her around and interested for as long as possible, how much of that came on. And there were still authentic parts of that, but I was definitely doing what everybody does, right? We show, we fluff our feathers, we show our most colorful, exquisite, exotic, lovely self and conceal more of these shadows. So I can't say that I was just fully myself in the way that I feel like I am now. That's beautiful. But maybe even just in that initial going in, not caring so much or thinking you would care and then allowing yourself to be surprised. That's really special too. Yeah. yeah. And I think that had a lot to do with it. And, you know, making this something that's relevant to a lot of people out there, I always say, and it's easier to say when I'm married with children and I fulfilled my visions of finding and creating a family, it's easy to say this for my position, but if you're really looking for somebody that you want to create and to mesh your visions with, then you can only achieve that by figuring out number one, who you are and what you want, and then doing those things and then waiting for your roads to intersect. I remember when I was getting clear on what I wanted, I really wasn't clear on what I wanted, thought I was, and I was looking for somebody to just fit right at the beginning of the journey, instead of just trusting that if I started walking, somebody would intersect the road later on. So even before, I mean, all the relationships I had before was so much pressure on how do you fit into what I think I want (laughs) in the future, which is kind of a backwards formula, the way I look at it now. I wonder what your perspective is on that for people who are, I know there's so many people who want partnership and are maybe putting the cart before the horse. Yeah, I think Yeah, it's almost as if the partnership comes when you want yourself, when you want yourself and your most enriched, full expression. Partnership becomes like a natural supplement to you being you. So yeah, I think it's if you put so much focus on the partnership, that's when I think we tend to lean into that space of longing and wanting, which is an energy of lack. It's an energy of scarcity, as opposed to when we're feeling good and aligned and in flow, that has a very naturally magnetic quality. And it's not to say that you should deny or suppress your desire for partnership. Both things can exist at the same time. You can hold this potential of being in partnership, wanting that but also feeling complete, also feeling whole, also feeling satisfied and lean into that energy of gratitude because that is really what's magnetic. And that speaks volumes for itself and is way more attractive for someone who's going to join you on a path or in your life or whose path is kind of winding alongside yours for you to be in that space of knowing yourself and knowing what you're doing. It just flows so much more organically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's funny as we're doing this, I'm, I'm going back into all my relationships and thinking about how I could have done things a little bit differently and how I would have loved to looking back on what I know now. And what you said, I just appreciated how much 
many of us are looking for safety and security in, I guess, dating until we, until you give us a better word, let's use the word dating. And we're looking to lock someone down so we don't have to feel without. And I know how it feels in, I'm experiencing this in my marriage is one of my biggest reflections this year is just how comfortable I'd gotten in my relationship, which leads to complacency, settling for the same old routine. And my wife is one of those people who's just like not going to have that, which I, I love and adore her for. But just looking within myself at how much I crave that stability and that certainty, like I've got my partner, I've got my family, I can check off those boxes and just keep strolling. I remember feeling very similarly when I was dating or when I was looking for a partner, I wanted to find someone so I didn't have to think about that anymore. Yes. That is such a common thought way to think about it. I remember also in my earlier years of dating, I went through like three pretty rough consecutive breakups. So I was almost as if it was like just breaking me to the point where I was like, I just like, I don't even want it anymore. <laughs> like it felt like this repeat, like just being hit by a wave. <laughs> and I remember getting to this place of recognizing that what I was feeling so much suffering around was this idea that I was building and creating something so that I could just kind of like leave it there and not have to think about that or deal with that. But it became this almost like glass castle that then, or what I was describing as like, ultimately it's just sand through your fingertips. You really can't hold it. It's not a consistent thing. And that ultimately the truest form of security, because that is what I was seeking was just to know that like, oh, this thing that I want I have that now so I can focus on my all my other life goals, right? And it's like, no, no, no. Relationship is not a life goal. It is a constant co-creation and you can't just achieve it and be done. That's not how it works. So I was not willing at that time or inspired by this idea of that dance and that co-creation. I just wanted to achieve something or like feel security in that because I thought that that's what would make me feel okay and feel good. And ultimately coming to that realization that the security I was seeking is a very much intrinsically cultivated experience, that it would never be given to me by anything on the outside, whether that's a career title, whether that's a relationship, whether that's a certain amount of financial success, like all those pieces could be there and you can still be unsatisfied, insecure, et cetera, et cetera. And so looking at, to me, my whole perspective shifted when it was like, why do I actually want a relationship? Why does this matter to me? And it became less about security and much more about self-growth and learning and having that mirror of anytime something is frustrating me out here, I know that it's because it's something happening internally that's being reflected back, number one. And number two, like having an ally, having a partner, having someone who's like on your team is extremely amplifying. So all the things I'm working for in my own life and building and cultivating and who I am, just it's almost like gets lit up even more and vice versa. And you can do that for each other, but it's not about creating stability. It's just, it's adding fire to your fire. <laughs> right. Oh man, it's so good because everything you said there reminds me of a greater observation I have about society and people that we're just so pain and death averse in our culture. We're so averse to things not being forever and things slipping through our hands and going away someday. We're so scared of not having what we need. And again, that, that's like a whole nother hour long conversation we could have about why we're that way and what the effects of it are. But just in this world of dating and partnership, the pressure that we put on, on finding someone and locking someone in because of how afraid we are to be alone 
how afraid we are to lose something. I know so many people that are stuck in a relationship. And I'm talking about guys here. I'll just speak because I mostly talk to guys about this stuff. Guys who are stuck in a relationship that's not fulfilling because they're so afraid of lost time. It's not even so much. A lot of times it's losing that specific person because they're close to them. But I think even more so, if we're being honest, it's that guys, it sounds like a very inefficient thing to do right? I've invested all these years, all these times, all these moments, all these flowers, all these dollars in this relationship to walk away from it now and just cut bait is, seems like a huge loss. And then there's the fear, the uncertainty, the scarcity, the insecurity that's tied to that. And so this overlying theme I'm hearing in what you and I are going back and forth about is, is being willing to let go of that because living a safe life keeps you from walking on the razor's edge, which is where all the excitement is. The stakes are higher, and the emotional swings can be more significant, but that's to me usually the life that most people want. They just don't want to pay the price. Yeah. And it's a hard thing. I think the other thing that I'm hearing in that share is that there's like a fear of admitting, like it's a fear of waste or a fear of being wrong or a fear of failing. Like, oh, this didn't work out. But that's all in the framing because it's not a failure at all. But I think we frame it as such like endings mean somehow failing or endings mean it didn't work out when in fact, maybe that was an important part of your growth and their growth and your paths collided for reasons that you might not understand. And it doesn't even matter if you like really need to understand all the nuances in in that moment, right? But it's not a failure. It's actually a success when you're willing to say, this isn't working, so I'm going to change my course. It's a pivot. And if you can do that throughout your life in any area, relationships, career, et cetera, that to me is like an incredible success. And a very attractive quality also, you know, to be someone when other people are watching you make hard decisions, it's like, all right, that guy or that gal, they got something going on because if you're willing to walk away from that because of something bigger that you're putting your trust in, it's a very attractive quality. I know obviously in the men's space, I use that a lot with guys. Like it's just as trust building to say no to something as it is to say yes to something, sometimes even more so because it it demonstrates that you actually have boundaries, that you actually have a clear vision. You don't create boundaries around something you're not clear on. You're just wide open. Ports are open. Everybody can come and hang out in your territory. So- Beautiful. I'm interested now because we've used the word dating so much. We're like halfway through here. We said drop the word dating altogether. So what do we put in its place? What do you like to call these exchanges or connections? I've been calling them connection or dating practice or connection practice because I see every exchange as a practice. It allows it to just be a bit more fluid that you're not here performing. You're just practicing the heart and mind qualities that you yourself want to cultivate regardless of who you're exchanging with. And the more you show up and do that, the more natural that becomes and the better fit practice partners you kind of attract into your field because you're living that way. So as you continually show up and practice presence, practice curiosity, practice non-attachment, practice listening, that's who you're going to end up having those types of exchanges with or other people who can meet you in that space because that's what you're bringing. Mm. Awesome. I love that. So one of the things you have a beautiful article, which we can also link to in the show notes about relationship and dating as a process and a practice versus a destination or an achievement. So we're already got warmed up on that. So can you say a little bit more about how you perceive that and what you're inviting people into? Mm. Yeah, I think it's like a constant checking in with from what space am I relating? From what space am I showing up to connect? 
because there's so many colors there that can show up. Are you in the article, I broke it down into two different axes. One is curiosity. So on a, you know, from high to low, how curious am I? Am I showing up with curiosity or am I kind of numbing out here, like assuming or holding my agenda or hold, you know, having some desired outcome? And then how confident am I? And confidence being, do I trust myself? Do I feel secure? But also, do I allow that non-attachment? Do I trust that if something is in my alignment, I don't have to try so hard and I don't have to hold on and chase and grip. And so if we're looking at those things, you can be in different spaces when you're dating. So like I mentioned earlier, this flavor of longing often will show up where you are high in confidence and that you know who you are, you know what you want, but your curiosity is like quite low because you're attaching to an outcome. So you're like leaning in heavily. And so you have this longing energy because maybe there's FOMO. And then if you're not confident, if you're not trusting the process, the flow yourself, and you're not really feeling curious, you want it to be a certain way, then you're in this space of controlling. And so maybe manipulation becomes your your mechanism and you start relating from that place. And then you might be really open and really curious, but you don't trust the flow. And so you're wondering, can I be doing something more? Can I be doing something better? Am I enough? That's when we call it doubting. And then when you show up with high curiosity and high confidence, you're in this natural space of flow and every interaction, whether it's with the same person or different people that you're connecting with, will flow, will teach you something, will feel magnetic, will inspire you, will you will inspire them. And it's just this much more fluid experience that you're not in doubt or control or longing. That is brilliant. I want to just invite anyone who's listening to pause rewind about five minutes. I don't know how long that was, but just really process that again. I'm going to have to listen to that again myself because you you really broke it down beautifully. And especially at what you arrived at, the curiosity and confidence. I feel like I just check it with myself now because I feel very curious and very open. I've always been a curious person, but I'm way more willing to ask questions and inquire than just say what people want to say to survive an interaction like I did back when I was dating. And I'm also way more confident now than I was 10 years ago, of course, because of all the experience that I've accumulated. So I imagine anyone who's listening to this, especially the guys are like, okay, curiosity, confidence, I can wrap my mind around those words. I understand what that means, but how do I actually embody that? How do I bring that genuinely into a space? Because in the absence of real confidence is that arrogance or false bravado that is so typical of men. I mean, we've been satirized over it, right? In Hollywood and in movies. And then there's the curiosity that's also been picked up by the pickup game artist community, right? Like be inquiring. And this is how you get a woman to think that you're really interested. So you nailed it, but how do we do that genuinely (laughs) is the question. I love this question. Yes. So thank you for asking that because It's not about what it appears on the outside. So it's not how am I conveying confidence? How am I conveying curiosity? It's in my body, in my experience, how do I cultivate confidence and curiosity? So when it comes to confidence, I think so much of that is actually 
having your own back, being willing to fail in your own face and be okay with it and know that you'll get up again and you'll do it again and you're going to be fine. And that just takes practice and it takes the willingness to look at where it hurts. It takes a willingness to look at where you feel insecure. It takes a willingness to acknowledge where am I in my body right now? And if doubt is present, it's not a problem. I don't have to fix it. I don't have to move it. I just have to be here for it. And if I can be here for it, then I invite someone else to be here for me when I'm in that space too. And that cultivates confidence. And then with curiosity, it's really kind of a similar thing where it's being curious about your own experience. And then you have the space to be curious about the experience of another, but first really being willing to say, what's happening for me right now? And whatever the answer, that's where the confidence comes in. Whatever the answer, I'm okay with that. I'm willing to look at that. Yeah. Oh, and to take that even a step further and say out loud, hey, here's what's coming up for me right now. <laughs> and I'm sure it, it makes for some awkward moments. That's probably where the mind and the ego goes first. But to me, that's ultimate confidence, especially when you're practicing confidence, is to take ownership of how you feel in a moment and to admit it. I'm really uncomfortable right now. This is, uh, I haven't been on a date. I was in a three-year relationship. I haven't been on a date in years. You're beautiful and I don't know what to say next. That's so genuine and charming because of how honest it is. Now, the other piece of that I think is important is detachment from the outcome because the curiosity piece, when it's inauthentic, it has an expectation associated with it. If I do A plus B the way that I was told, then I'm going to get laid or I'm going to get another date or I'm going to get a girlfriend, et cetera. Whereas letting go of that expectation and going back to what you said before of reframing dating altogether, that this doesn't have to be an ongoing thing from this point. But if we're really being present here now, let's just be honest with what's going on and then see where that leads us. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's like a showing up each time asking what's here in my experience and then how do I feel about what's here in my experience? How am I relating to what's here in my experience? Because sometimes we might not like what's here or may make us really uncomfortable. And then we skip ahead where it's like, okay, if attraction is present, but I'm really uncomfortable with the fact that attraction is present, I don't know what to do with that. I might then feel shame and embarrassment or discomfort around that and then look to push it down as opposed to just like, shoot, attraction's present. All right. And I'm feeling a bit awkward about that or I'm judging it as inappropriate, or I'm judging that as embarrassing, whatever you are, you know, maybe you feel weakened by that somehow. And like, the more that you can own that, that actually takes its power away. And just, it's just here. It's just in the field. It's just in the experience. Yeah. I love that. And I know for a lot of people out there, like, hell no, I'm not going to go and say that on my next date. Well, I'm not asking you to go the full 10 yards. Maybe just take a little leap, take a risk. Because you're never going to meet the person you really want to be with without taking a risk. That's just bottom line. Nobody I know who's happy in their relationship is there because they didn't take any risks. It's just It just doesn't work that way. Exactly. Exactly. And I think so much of it too is getting comfortable taking the risk with yourself and not practicing, you know, pushing down what you're seeing or practicing self-deception or, you know, not allowing yourself to have the experience you have. I think there's so much culturally and societally trained in us to be shameful about the experiences that we have, which then creates a whole nother layer of like denying our experience. And if it's there, we don't have to act on it, but the more we're willing to kind of just air that out with ourselves first, then we gives us a chance to even talk about it with somebody else. 
Right. Which goes a little bit back to putting the cart before the horse. I find that a lot of people get into really serious relationships before they've actually dug into themselves. And we can call it personal growth work, whatever transformational work, whatever you want to call it. But if you haven't really taken a good hard look at yourself and owned up to some of the things that you wouldn't want anybody to see, you wouldn't want to typically take ownership of, then this journey of dating and connecting with people is going to be really hard because there's that pressure to constantly put on something outward that you're not to put on a mask, to, to wear the armor. And that's why I always invite people back and say, hey, you have no business looking for a long-term relationship until you've gotten to know who you are and you can present what you want. Because if you're not clear on what you want and where you're heading, then it's only going to have two outcomes. Either you're going to present a false idea of what that is just to get the person you think you want to be with and then fail to live up to those expectations and or resent that person for having to hoist up this false image of yourself for years in some cases, right? And that's why there's a whole generation of failed marriages and unfulfilling marriages, people who just stayed together because it was taboo to separate. And I think this is where we get to nip it in the bud. And I'm going to ask you to zoom out a little bit from just the individual dating experience for somebody, but what are the bigger social implications in your opinion of taking this culture that we had of courtship, I guess, maybe we don't like that word anymore. That sounds like a very like Renaissance word, but connection and turning it into something different. What do you think are the implications for our generation and future generations? So many things. I think relationship to self is at the heart of all of our relationships. So number one, just creating a space for people to look at what comes up for them in the context of going out to forge, I would say the next you know, big relationship in your life, which is to maybe a significant other romantic partner, and having the capacity to talk about what's not working, to look at yourself first before you blame the other. This is training for all other co-creations and collaborations that we have. So the more we can do this with one person, then when things get conflictual at work as we're creating something or with each other, whether it's you know politically and at a much more macro scale, the better we are at looking at ourselves first in relationship, the better we can work together to actually create and make change and not feel so shameful and not get so prideful and be caught in our ego and need to have things work out a certain way because we're feeling insecure. It's like, to me, this is so much about understanding yourself. And if we can lean into each other to practice that, to reveal more and more about ourselves in our process of coming to know ourselves and not feel so threatened by that because it's a performance, because we have to win something. It just frees up so much more space for each of us to really shine and offer our gifts to the world in a bigger way. And that's very, yes, it's very like, I would say on the bright side and aspirational, but I do think that so much of the pain is in the world is not what we're unwilling to see within ourselves. Yeah, I totally agree with you. 100% on board. I, having two children myself, when I think about the future, I want my kids to live in a world where they can be honest about who they are, what they believe, what they want, and that there's no desiring of something different or a compulsion or pressure to be something inauthentic. And that, they, that all the kids and people of a future generation can just really be free to be who they are. Because I think that will solve a lot of the problems. A lot of these mysterious challenges that we have where we can't quite figure out how to solve it. I think it all comes back to honest living and honest yeah, transmission of truth. Exactly. And I think that one of the 
reasons that creating Hum Hum felt so important to me is to create a container within which you can just show up and be yourself and be witnessed in that space and nothing else needs to become of it, but to constantly be practicing, here I am, this is me, I'm good with me and allowing other people to hold you in that space. Like that can only be good for society and all of our other relationships. Yeah. And to hold that for other people that, hey, you have this different truth. Even if we bring it all the way back to the micro of dating, to be able to say, I'm really attracted to you. You are a beautiful human being. And for someone to say, wow, I'm so flattered. Thank you. I don't share that same attraction for you, but I'm so honored you would say that. Right. And and not to have all of the weird, awkward stuff come up from that. Like, oh, well, I failed. She's not into me or the letdown of that. And maybe this is still several generations down. I don't know if we could just flip a switch and have people show up this way. But I agree with you that if we challenge this next generation to be more genuine, to be more honest, to be more loving and respectful of their own and each other's truths, then we got a better shot. Because this world, I think we're going to need to depend more on each other than we ever have before, perhaps. Completely. Yeah, exactly. And the more that we are able to hold another person's truth and not take it personally, but know that ultimately, like, it's in the highest good if we're both expressing what's true, it just saves a whole bunch of headaches later, then we can actually support each other's paths. And I mean, the same way I think it's so conditioned that, oh, you break up, you don't talk to that person. Why? You shared a whole beautiful journey. Like, why does that have to now be completely forgotten because it's not continuing? No, can you not continue to support and appreciate each other? Yeah, you know, of course, there's a lot of work there. But I think, you know, moving in that direction as a collective where we can stand in our truths and honor each other's truths and not need to change each other's truths to feel secure about our own, then a lot of good can be done. I totally agree. I'm going to have to cut us there so that we can tie this up. I, I, there's so much more I want to ask you. I could tell we could just keep going and we probably will someday in the future. But for now, let's just migrate away. That was, that was such a beautiful encapsulation of what a lot of people are going through right now and some suggestions that I think will help a lot of folks to consider it differently. Cons- at least consider it differently, right? We're not, we're not saying that we need to shift the tides completely on their axis, but just consider your relationship with dating and how you hold it differently. And what could it look like? What would it look like? What would it feel like if you just showed up to those connections, those encounters, fully open to possibility and no expectation, no attachment to the outcome? What would that look like? And what version of you would get to come out and present itself? So thank you for helping extrapolate that transmission. I think it was really beautiful. I want to ask you some quick rapid fire questions at the end here. And then, <laughs> and then I want you to tell us about your offerings because you've got some amazing stuff you're bringing into the world. So, okay. What is one thing you've learned that you wish you knew when you were 18? Hmm. That I am enough. <laughs> I love that one. I think everyone needs to hear that when they're 18. We should all just get like a random phone call when we're 18. Oh, you're 18 now. Okay. You're enough. <laughs> well done. Okay. What do women need more of from men? Listening. Beautiful. What is one message you have for men about women? Maybe that the things that they're wanting or appreciating within the feminine is also within you. Like those attributes and qualities can also be found within your own being. Beautiful. I love that. So 
please tell us where people can go to follow you to find out more about Hum Hum. And even if you want to tell us a little bit about some of the offerings that you have right now, love to share that here. Thank you. Yeah. So we host conscious dating experiences of different types. We have group dating experiences where we practice mindful movement, conscious dialogue. We have fun prompts, anything from ask an oracle, one question about your life to a show and tell from an object in your room to really get people into that play state and enjoy the whole process of connecting with whomever it's with. And then we have our conscious dating salon, which is a new offering in partnership with a company called Deepin. And that is basically like date night and community. And you can find that as well as the group dating experiences on our website at www.humhum.space. And then we also offer guided facilitated blind dates with we call the practice partner. So we'll find somebody in your location around your age range and connect you on a blind date. And then we facilitate it. You also are led in a guided breath practice just to arrive. And then you go in a private room where we can't hear you and see you and you get to have a nice exchange with somebody that you don't know. Awesome. I love that. And so just to clarify, these are virtual experiences at the moment, right? COVID approved. COVID approved, all virtual. (laughs) We do city specific as well as open location. Awesome. Okay. So all of my, all of my Aussie guys down under, you hear that you guys can meet some ladies on this side of the world and and beyond. I mean, we've got guys in countries all over the world. So I I love what you're doing. So let's make sure that's H U M H U M dot space. Yes. And then the same thing for Instagram, it's hum hum space. Excellent. Okay. Well, we'll definitely link that in the notes. Alexandra, awesome dropping in with you again. It's so wonderful to hear your perspective on things. And I'm just really grateful for what you've created. I know that we all create things from our own experiences, our own difficulties and challenges. And I think that what you guys are putting together is something that's really going to make waves for people in our generation who are just having a hard time connecting. So Thank you for your work. Thank you for your work, Jenny. This was such a pleasure and I look forward to continuing the discussion and going forward. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, I'm definitely going to bring you back because we had a lot more to talk about. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. we'll catch up on chapter two sometime in the future. Beautiful. Thank you. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that one today. I also want to announce that Alexandra and I are collaborating on an event that is set to take off on February 13th. It's going to be a virtual dating event, COVID safe for all of you guys out there to bring men and women together and support you guys with a lot of the distinctions we talked about in this episode today. So I'll be blasting that event out through all my social media and we'll make sure we put a link to it in the show notes here. So stay tuned for that. And all you guys and ladies, all you guys and gals, out there who are singles, come sign up, come spend Valentine's together online. It'll be an opportunity for you to grow as an individual and to get some awesome tips and strategies for how to approach dating differently while mingling with some awesome, awesome men and awesome women from different regions. So uh, it'd be a really great opportunity for you guys to make sure to go check that out. Please check out everything else related to this episode and others at the website risingman.org where we have all of our show notes, links, and resources. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to us and check us out on Instagram at Rising Man Movement and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. Big love to my power squad, Sean, Rowan, Julian, Ryan, Kyle, and Mark. And everybody else out there listening, I got so much love for you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny. 